0: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. And right off the bat. We have to mention, happy Memorial Day to each and every one of you, and a huge shout out to all the past and present vets, uh, whether you served offshore or here in the United States. Just want to take this time and say thank you very much for your service, and uh, thanks for keeping the United States free, I guess. Um, Now today... We have another kick-ass podcast with a really, a guy who's not only very smart, he's just very passionate about archery and hunting, and uh, today we're back with Dr. Mike, and uh, today this entire episode is about arrows, from the tip to... You know, from the head to the knock and everything in between. Uh, we have a really good conversation about setting up your arrows for this upcoming season. Um, I know I'm in the process of that right now. I have my bare shafts. I need to get them cut yet. I need to get my fletchings on. And I need to... I have. I got my broadheads in the mail the other day uh, from Wasp. And um, I think this year I'm going to be shooting the Boss four blade head it's a small diameter but it has four blades on it uh it's it looks badass and it's made in america so that's kind of kick-ass too but um that's the head that i'm going with uh and we talk a little bit more about all the details of that in the podcast today but uh before we do get into today's podcast let's hear from fred Dockerty of wasp about why wasp offers so many varieties of heads
1: wasp thinks it's important to offer a variety of broadhead styles to our consumers because uh everybody wants something a little bit different some people like a smaller diameter cut in a fixed blade some people like a larger diameter cut in a mechanical blade uh, so we offer everything in a fixed blade from inch up to inch and three sixteenths Our mechanical heads, inch and a quarter, inch and five-eighths, inch and three-quarter, and even two-inch. So we like to feel that we can offer something for everybody uh, because every archer is different. Every style of hunting is different. Even the animals that you hunt are different. So with WASP, you get many choices.
0: All right, guys. If you want to find out more information about WASP, simply go to wasparchery.com. And when you do decide on what heads that you're going to purchase from Wasp, use the discount code 9FINGERS, that's the number 9, followed by the word FINGERS with no spaces, and you will receive 20% off of your purchase. That's a really good discount, so take advantage of it. But now, let's get into today's podcast with Dr. Mike. All right, everybody, on the phone now. Back to talk gear again, uh, we have one of the biggest gear nuts that I know, Mr. M- Dr. Mike DiNapoli. How you doing today, Mike?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing,
0: Dan? I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, it's that time of year when everybody starts to really amp up and start talking about gear. They start uh, making purchases or at least doing the research to decide what they're going to purchase what have you been doing since the last time that we talked as far as the gear side of things is going?
1: Well, the, the first thing that I started doing is um, I wanted to make a new set of arrows. Um, if, if you remember when uh, we talked the last time, um, I mentioned that I was shooting some really lightweight arrows because I wanted to see what kind of speed I was getting. And I was sh- shooting some of the Victory uh, Rip uh, there uh, XVs at that time, which is their high-velocity shafts, and getting like 330 feet per second. And um, what I noticed is the trajectory is great, but I felt like I really didn't get the penetration that I that I wanted, either in the targets or um, with, with the deer I took last year. So this year, my goal was to, to bump up my weight, because those arrows actually weighed um, 305 grains, which is pretty light. Um, this year, I wanted to bump up to just over... 400 grain, so I I built some new shafts um, that weigh about uh, 425, and I've also been getting all my cameras. I brought them all in, kind of got them all cleaned up, and uh, redeployed some, and um, kind of extended my use of some wireless cameras and things like that, so uh, that's mostly what I've been up to. Okay, so I think what we're going to do is, you already
0: said a little bit about it, but I want to talk about arrows Today. Uh, that was something that uh, you told me uh, you you spend a lot of time evaluating testing uh, not only the process of putting your arrow together but uh, the components that go into making the actual arrow uh, you you uh, sent me an email with a whole bunch of information on it and I think that's uh, gonna going sure. to be a, a great place to start now for me I order my bear shaft arrows I take them into the pro shop and I say, here, I want this. And then they make them for me. Did you used to be like that? Or have you always been the type that wanted to build your own arrows?
1: I think the very first set of shafts I got built, um, when I, when I started bow hunting back in gosh, I want to say it was probably around 96 or something like that. Um, I had a set of arrows built. They were, um, ACC's and, um, I had those built at that time. Then I think ever since then I've built my own arrows. Okay.
0: So why did you uh, decide to stop having somebody else do it and uh, pick up, pick up all that on your own?
1: Um, I I guess for a couple of reasons, it, it, I can tell you right now, it's kind of like hand loading for, for guns. You don't actually save any money because you always end up shooting more and doing more and, and kind of experimenting a little bit more. So um, I suppose if somebody really wanted to, you could save some money, but, um, most of it just because it really gives you the ability to, to kind of play around and try different things. Um, you can experiment with different orientations of the fletching. Um, you can try different types of fletching, different knocks, different shafts. Uh, you can try cutting them at different lengths. Um, it, it just really gives you a lot of variation to, to experiment with things.
0: Okay. All right. So now let's, uh. Get into a little bit of that detail, then. All right. I want right. to talk. I want to talk about how do you know how long you need to cut your arrows? Because um, I, I know back in the day, I can remember my first bow had an overdraw on it, right? So it had a shorter arrow, mm-hmm. um, had an overdraw on it, and uh, and now the overdraws are pretty much extinct, and uh, everybody wants you know somewhat of a heavier arrow than than there used to be although back in the day I was shooting all you know 100% aluminum arrows so how does a guy know first off know how long his arrow shafts need to be for his bow setup
1: so probably the the best and most important way is is first get your bow set up so it's the way that you that you want it so your dry length set everything's all taken care of. Um, your error rest is, is where you want it, because you're right, You, if you're shooting an overdraw, it can make a difference of an inch or two. I, I think for the most part, very few people shoot those nowadays, but most of the rest you can actually move forward and back. They may have either half an inch or sometimes maybe up to an inch of play. So you want to get everything in that position as well as you can. And to be safe and to, to put things in the best position, you want to draw your, your bow back and, um, you know, make sure that you either have an arrow on it or um, have a release that does that, that can't fire because you don't want to, you know, dry fire your bow. But draw it back to where it needs to be. If you have a measuring arrow, which um, basically has a scale on it, Easton makes some of those, you draw it back and you can actually see where the measurements are. If not, you can draw it back with an arrow and then go ahead and, and um, Put a mark on your arrow and measure it later. But essentially, you you want the the broadhead to be in front of your your hand on the grip. So um, you don't want any possibility that if that arrow falls off the rest, that if you release it, you're going to get a broadhead or a field point through your through your hand. Um, I think that's probably one of the, the you know the biggest issues to worry about. So most of the time, you draw it back and you'll find that at, at your full draw length, you're arrow will probably be an inch or two in front of the, uh, the prongs or the type of rest that you use. And that'll generally put your broad head, uh, just past the end of your, um, your, where your hand would be on the grip.
0: Okay. So is there such, uh, obviously there's such thing of having too light of an arrow for your draw weight, but is there such thing as having an arrow that's too heavy or, or maybe an arrow that's too long? And if so, what are the, uh, what are the problems with that?
1: So you, you, you can, you know, I don't think that there's anything, um, I don't think there's anything that's really too heavy. Um, you're, you're, you make sacrifices and everything's about sacrifices. So uh, the recommendations of most bow manufacturers on the light side are that you want at least five grains per pound of draw weight to prevent any damage from, from the bow. Um, certain bow manufacturers, I think Gearhead is, I think is one of the ones that's included. Um, so you can actually go lower than, than five grains per pound. Um, uh, but in general, five grains per pound is, is pretty light. You're getting a pretty good amount of speed from that. Um, most hunting bows, you're probably going to want to shoot, um, a, a heavier amount than, than that. Um, in some of the reading I've done, I mean, some people that are going to Africa and, and, uh, either shooting hippos or, uh, some of the really big game over there, they're shooting arrows that are close to a, you know, 900 or a thousand grains, um, which my guess is going to be is probably like fifteen or something grains per uh, per pound of draw weight. Okay. So you can go heavy. The problem is the heavier you go, the slower your your um, arrow is going to go. So the more critical your your measurements are going to be with your distance because your trajectory is really going to start falling off quite a bit.
0: Okay. So, you know once a guy determines what the length of his arrow should be after he sets his bow up, right? He's shooting some test Mm -hmm. arrows that he may have from the previous year. Um, Is, does the length of the arrow determine, like if I'm shooting a full metal jacket and uh, Mm -hmm. an Easton that has some aluminum on it, or I'm shooting a 100% aluminum arrow, or I'm shooting a 100% carbon arrow, does the length of my arrow matter? Uh, depending on what my arrow is actually made out of?
1: So the, uh, it, I guess there's a lot of answers that that kind of go into that. And yeah. um, I, I guess some of the most important ones are um, the, the length of the arrow definitely has to do with the, the stiffness or the spine of the arrow. So a couple of things that, that um, how everything fits together is the shorter your arrow, obviously the lighter your arrow can end up being. Um, you know, if it's, let's just, to make it easy, say 10 grains per inch. You know, if you're shooting a 30 inch arrow versus a 28 inch arrow, you're gonna save yourself um, 20 grains of arrow weight, basically all else being the same. And 20 grains probably will amount out to somewhere around seven feet per second for an, arrow, an average um, probably 28 inch draw with a um, 70 pound draw weight. So um, so that the shorter the arrow length that you can shoot, you will lighten the the weight of that arrow up. If you're trying to shoot a heavy arrow because you want good penetration, um, which I think a lot of us are moving towards, um, especially if you're shooting bigger game like elk or something, then that weight's probably not as as big a difference. But where it does start affecting you is the longer the arrow shaft gets, the weaker the spine essentially becomes. So um, you can kind of imagine if you had a, a... piece of PVC that was 10 feet long. If you put it on its ends and you put a five five pound weight in the middle, that's going to flex pretty significantly. But if you shorten that down all the way, and you just put a foot between the span on the PVC and put a five pound weight on it, you're essentially not going to really see it sag much at all. Um, And that's kind of the the best way to to look at it. If you look at kind of extreme situations, it kind of helps you understand how the, um, you know, the, the smaller variations end up. So, so the length will have an effect on not only the overall weight of the arrow, but the spine that you're going to need in addition to that.
0: Okay. So then, is there such thing as a, a perfect arrow length as uh, far as accuracy is concerned? I mean, um, for your poundage, for your draw length, maybe you know, maybe you don't. Is there like a mathematical mm-hmm. equation that says at at this draw weight at this length your arrow should be this if the arrow is this many grains per inch it needs to be this length for optimal accuracy or optimal trajectory or whatever
1: sure um i you know i don't think that there's any there's no clear equations i guess to tell you the length of the arrow um there there are a lot of equations and there's tables and things that you can get from the arrow manufacturers that uh, will we'll tell you what spine arrow you need based on the length of your arrow and your draw weight and and all that type of information, your uh, your point weight and things like that. Um, my understanding from everything that, that I've read and from talking to um, numerous people is, in general, you try to go with probably the shortest arrow length that you can shoot that fits on your bow and is safe, kind of like we talked about, so it's in front of your hand. Um, once you get that set, then you start looking at at the spine and the, the ways to go with that is each manufacturer either has a table that you can go by, or there's a couple of arrow programs. I tend to use one called um, Archer's Advantage, and what you do is you plug in the information that that you have. So you can plug in a lot of uh, basically information that that you can look up, such as point weight. Uh, it gives you different arrow shafts, and you can tell it what the arrow shaft is, how long the arrow shaft is which knock you're using, which fletching you're using. And it basically calculates out an approximate weight of the arrow and it can guide you as far as what kind of uh, spine to use. And I find that works really, really accurately. Then the other thing you can do is if you actually have shot an an arrow through um, that particular bow, you can put in what the arrow speed you're getting uh, from that bow with that arrow shaft combination. And that makes it extremely accurate. So That probably takes into account everything else going on with the bow the draw length the poundage um, and then inefficiencies or hysteresis in the bow itself so once you finally put that exact number um, of the velocity that you're getting if you have a chronograph at home or go to a shop then it really predicts very well exactly what shaft that you need and and I found it to be extremely accurate okay so
0: for a whitetail hunter um, and this may go into, this is going to help us transition into what I want to talk about next. And that's, um, you know, the, the weight of the arrow, right? Is there, a, is there mm-hmm. a, a, minimum or a maximum that, uh, or a range that all hunters or all whitetail hunters should have their arrow weigh to, I guess, have an accurate, uh, or a, a lethal killing arrow.
1: So my understanding, the way that that's done, if you're talking about strictly legal um, uh, regulations and things like that, is many or most states uh, have requirements regarding the uh, total poundage that you have to be able to draw. In Maryland, I'm, I'm almost positive that that's um, 35 pounds of draw weight, and as long as you're drawing that, then there's no other specifications as far as the arrow weight um, or, or anything else along with that. Um, there may be, I, I want to say in uh, some of the Africa um, African countries, they may have specifications as far as particular arrow weights that are required for certain animals or maybe overall. And that I'm a little less less sure of. I've never looked into to doing any of that. Um, some of the other requirements from different states have to do with axle to axle length on the bow. Um, I'm sure different states probably have different draw weights that they're required. I'm not aware offhand of any states in the United States that that actually have a specification on the weight of the arrow, um, but but there might be. That'd be something somebody would have to check. Um, in in general, my thoughts are though that that probably most whitetail hunters are going to be shooting an arrow between five and probably ten um, grains grains per pound of draw weight, and probably the majority of those are going to be more in the six to seven. Uh, uh, grains of arrow weight per pound of draw weight is going to be probably where most people are. And that'll put people somewhere around, um, 400 grains to maybe 500 in that range, which is probably a pretty good, um, combination to give you good momentum, which we kind of touched on a little bit in one of the the previous episodes and also give you good trajectory because really that's what it all comes down to. You know, if you get a, if you're trying to shoot a 900 grain arrow, you're, you're going to probably get great penetration, but your your range is really going to be limited to 20, maybe 25 yards or something like that. And if you go too short, like what I tried to do last season, to be honest with you, I almost couldn't even set the gaps on my pins close enough to, to get the distance between them. My pins wouldn't get close enough together. Um, but again, you're going to sacrifice your, your momentum um, at, at that range. And your arrows are going to tend to be pushed around by the wind a little bit more also if you start shooting too light an arrow. Gotcha.
0: So, I was kind of, while you were talking, I was doing a little bit of the math. Um, I have, I'm shooting these uh, Zeller arrows this year, and they're 11.5 grains per inch, right? And I just want to make sure I'm doing this Mm -hmm. right. Um, And let's say my arrow length, just a guess this year is going to be 31 inches, right? So I take, uh, let's see, I take 11.5 times 31, and that gives me just in the arrow alone I get uh 356.5 all right mm-hmm. 356.5 and then I add a hundred grain broadhead to it so now I'm at 456 right okay uh yep. point, point 0.5 now that number divided by how long your arrow is is that's the like the six point or divided by your poundage mm-hmm. that's the uh that's the, uh, so, there, so
1: there's the a couple range. of, there's a, it's you're it's close, but there's a couple other things that you do have to have to look at. So, um, you did, you did, um, you know, the measurements of the shaft, like you said, you got three fifty you're going to shoot a hundred grain broadhead with that, but you also have to have the, um, the insert or the outsert, um, in, in the end, which is the, basically the metal piece that the, okay. the broadhead will screw into in general, those weigh anywhere from 20 to a hundred grains. Um, most of them, if they're aluminum, are probably going to be around uh, 20 to 30 grains. Um, I'm shooting stainless this year, it's uh, it's 60 grains. Um, and some of the other ones, for like the, the VAPs and the really small diameter ones, are closer to 90 grains if you're shooting some of the um, stainless steel ones. So in general, I'd probably just to make it easy, uh, since you don't have the, the numbers, you got your 356 in your shaft, you're going to have 100 in your broadhead. You're probably gonna have, let's just say, 50 in your um, your insert for that, and then you're gonna have a knock on that. Your knocks, um, mine currently weigh uh, seven grains, um, so they're probably gonna be from seven to ten grains. So um, we could just list eight, and your fletchings on that. My current fletchings are nine grains per fletching, uh, and mine are the the max stealth. Um, veins i don't know if you know what yours are but just to keep the numbers easy if we did um, three fletching at um, 10 you're going to come up with another 30 grains so let's see so i'm i'm looking
0: at about uh, let's see 540 that's just a guess right 540 grains i
1: think so let's see yeah 544 okay that's what i came up with so yep
0: 544 divided by if my my bow is set at 72 right now Okay. So that would be the
1: the average, that six point yep. uh, so or shooting, whatever. Okay. It's it's seven point six grains per per pound is what you're shooting.
0: Okay, seven point six, and that's and that's is that is that you said that falls in that average. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So we got this. The, now we got the weight figured out. Um, hmm. I want to talk, you mentioned something about an insert and an outsert. Now, this year, I am actually going to be using an outsert. They they come with the arrows that I ordered. Um, I'll have to glue those on with some kind of epoxy. Uh, they, I don't know the instructions they are over there by my arrows. But uh, I've never shot an outsert before. Is there any, what are the benefits of a, or I should say, difference between an outsert and an insert. I know the insert goes in the arrow, the outsert sets outside of the arrow. But is there is there any advantages or disadvantages of each?
1: For the most part, I, I would say probably not a whole lot of advantage or, or disadvantage. It has to do more of the shaft size. Um, if you if you kind of look around enough and look at some of the, the internet sites, you know some people may pro- uh, kind of propose that that one has advantages over the other. But the, the bottom line is you just need to have the shaft and the inserts um, exactly uh, parallel to each other, and the ends of the shafts have to be perpendicular, so all your cuts are basically exactly at 90 degrees or sanded to, to 90 degrees, and everything mates together well. And what you need to do is basically have everything set up so when you put your arrow on a on a shaft spinner, once it's all put together, there's no wobble. You know, the obviously, any wobble that's in there, you're going to lose a little bit of, of accuracy to that. Um, but the a lot of the new outserts actually, um, they seem to be pretty strong. Um, I, I personally, because I, I've shot the VAPs with outserts, because any of the very short or any of the very um, small diameter shafts, the 166 uh, size shafts, in general, they need to have outserts. I have broken some of the um, shafts right behind the outsert um, when I was shooting 3D, and I kind of grazed a target and it hit the ground and hit a rock. And it snapped right behind that. Um, but I mean, I think that was a pretty significant um, strike. You know, I think if you're in a hunting situation, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of difference one way or another. I've never broken a shaft with the with the inserts that that I've been shooting. Um, but you know, technology keeps changing quite a bit either way, and I think they're all getting uh, quite a bit stronger and more reliable.
0: Okay. Now, what are the, obviously. You we've picked the insert or the outsert. Um, now let's talk about broadheads uh, a little bit because you know right now the the industry standard is a hundred or basically one twenty five grain broadhead. You can go higher um, than than one twenty five in certain ones I think like your your big fixed blades um, can go into the one fifties I think, but. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about how um, maybe a fixed blade versus a mechanical will affect um, arrow flight and then what we can do to our arrow to compensate to fix any of those problems. Okay. So go for it.
1: So I guess one thing that um, there seems to be a move towards, um, we were already talking about, I think most hunters are moving more towards heavier shafts and heavier arrows overall. Yep. Um, you're, you know, we're talking, basically, when when most people are talking about that, they're talking the overall arrow weight, not necessarily the shaft weight. So, there are a couple of differences that you could do. And, um, you know, the, the basic way that you can come up with your, your heavier arrow weight is you can either distribute that, uh, weight completely across the whole length of the shaft, so your your shaft would weigh more per inch in grains. Mm-hmm. Or you can have an extremely light shaft and have a heavier head. So, you know, for instance, let's just say you're you're trying to shoot a 400 grain arrow, you can get a heavier shaft that weighs maybe uh, let's say 12 grains per per inch or something. You're really distributing that that weight. But if you went to a shorter shaft, or I'm sorry, a, a, a lighter shaft weight. Some of them go down to, let's say, seven grains per uh, per inch um, at, let's say if uh, you're shooting 12 sets, five. So basically, there's a five grain per inch difference. And if you're talking about, let's just say, 30, um, it's about 150 grains difference in the, the overall weight of the shaft, just given the shaft alone. So you can take that extra 150 uh, grains if you wanted to and actually use a, a heavier insert and a heavier head of if you wanted to do so. Um, and what that does is that increases the, the FOC or the front of center measurements. And there's there's a lot of different thoughts on that. Um, part of the thoughts and one that, that I think makes the, the most sense as far as for hunting is I tend to think you'll get better penetration with that because you can kind of imagine that if you shot an arrow at, at something and you, and you hit it, if all the weight was up front that weight's gonna to tend to try to push through. But let's say all that weight was towards the back of the arrow. When the when the um, the arrow goes ahead and strikes the target, the back of the arrow would tend to try to whip around and if that whipped around a little bit, that's gonna have an effect on your your, your penetration. So um, one one thing that I've heard that makes a lot of sense is if you put the weight up front, you're gonna get better penetration. There's also a lot of talk that says that if you have the front of center as high as you can up front, It'll essentially help the the arrow to to fly better because the the weight's going to kind of pull it forward through the air and the and the flexing is going to kind of balance things out in the back just to give it a little bit of drag and direction. Um, and the theory that goes along with that is that they they basically work kind of like uh like darts that you'd be playing at at a wall. You look at some of the competition darts and things, and they tend to be very heavy up front. and They have a very small and kind of light back end on them, and uh, they they fly very well that way. So. Um so that's one thing you can do as far as adjusting the shaft and kind of moving your weight around. Um is there one one is, site that I sure is there a
0: bell curve to that? Like uh some if your FOC is too high, it will cause problems or is it one of those things where the the higher the FOC, the
1: the straighter your arrow flies? A lot of this, to be honest with you, is is being debated and being studied right now. Um, there, there's probably a few engineers who who specialize in in archery that are writing equations and doing a lot of work with this. One of them is a guy named James Park in in Australia. Yeah. Um, but a lot of other people are are just kind of stuck doing the experiments, kind of, kind of like what I'm doing with some of this. Yeah. And um, um, one thing I ha- I have heard that makes sense to me, and I and I think I've noticed in flight is if your FOC gets too heavy, your your arrow tends to start nosediving towards the, the end of the, the shot. So in other words, you can kind of imagine if your arrow were, if your FOC was basically balanced out completely in the center of the arrow, as it flew to, through the air, it would basically kind of sail more level. Whereas if it was very heavy in the front, you could kind of picture your front end beginning to slowly drag the arrow down. Right. Um, that would be an extreme example. But I have heard that If you're shooting very long distance, like 90 meters in the Olympics or something like that, if you get too high in FOC, you may have more of a drop in your trajectory. But I think that that's overcome by the fact that generally your arrow tends to be more stable and you tend to get more um, uh, better flight and probably better wind resistance um, because the the arrow is able to stay on course a little bit better. Okay. So
0: do you... When you build your arrows, do you add any type of extra insert or extra weight up front aside from your insert and your broadhead?
1: I don't add any extra weight. You know, my part of my thought with that is that I just want things as simple as possible. I think if you start adding, you know, extra either screw-on um, material to the insert or outsert itself or extra washers, I mean, every single thing you do, has to be perfectly um, either parallel or perpendicular depending on which way you're looking at it to the shaft and each component has to be um, weighed one versus another so your shafts don't vary right. so for me this, the, the simpler the better as far as doing that. So what I do is I get the heaviest insert that I can and um, and I do it that way and okay. you know in this case in this case i got 60 grain uh, stainless inserts and my front of center right now is running at 15. And how do you measure front of center again? So, the archer's advantage uh, program that we mentioned um, will actually do it for you. The other way is, um, I would have to actually pull that up. It's it's and it's easy to find on the internet, to be honest with you. But it has to do with the 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 total length of the arrow. Um, So you measure the total length of the arrow. You look at the middle part of the arrow, and you look at where the balance point of the arrow is. And the front of center has to do with how far forward the, the, the actual physical weight balance point is on the arrow versus where that middle point of the arrow would be just, just on lengthwise. And th- there's a lot of programs that will actually calculate all that right on the web for you. Or if you want to calculate it yourself, there's, there's programs and, and whatnot that do that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at at one right now. I just Google it, and you can find it on Easton. It's the first thing that popped up was uh, correct arrow length, uh, distance from the bottom of the knock groove to the end of the shaft, distance from – and then A is the distance from the bottom of the knot groove to, let's see, to finished arrow. Balance position includes – Weight of point, answer anyway. It's this huge equation, and I don't want to bore you, mm-hmm. but it's just it's 100 times in parentheses the uh a minus l divided by two divided by l. So that gives you your foc percentage, I believe. And that will uh, right, that will that will tell you your foc. There you go. We did math on this mm-hmm. show today,
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so, so yeah, and 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 I think I think most of those uh, sites like Easton and whatnot rec- recommend anywhere from um, I want to say down to seven or eight in some cases, up to twelve to fifteen. Um, most hunting uh, most hunters are, are shooting more for anywhere from twelve to fifteen, and some of them even go as high as you know closer to nineteen percent. Okay,
0: and is there is there a range? you said nineteen fifteen is there something that's too too low or is there something too high i mean then you start getting into the back of your arrow, which it sounds like you don't want you don't want your uh f o c to be way pa- way back you know to the mid to the back
1: part of the arrow right okay yeah, if it gets too far back you're you're in trouble um like I said, some extreme cases maybe they're going down to seven but but you know my My thought probably from the majority of of what I've read and seen, you're you're going to be wanting to get at least 10, and if you're hunting, you're probably going to be better off somewhere around uh, 12 to 15. It's really hard to start getting up towards 19 or anything more than that, because you end up really having to go with a light shaft, and you have to end up with a huge broadhead, and many of those are are kind of the custom-fixed broadheads that weigh, like you mentioned, 150 or 200 grains. Um, It's going to be almost impossible to get that with a a 100-grain broadhead.
0: Okay. All right. So, you know, we've uh, we figured out the front part of the arrow, right? We figured out our weight. Mm-hmm. Now we have to figure out the, uh, the fletchings, the back of the arrow, because I have always been a three-fletching type of guy. But until recently, mm-hmm. I've heard some guys talk about they like a four-fletch arrow because it may help with straighten the arrow out while in the air because it causes a little bit more drag. Um, so go ahead and, and, and share with us
1: your thoughts on that. So basically the the um, purpose of the, the fletching is just like you said, just to create additional um, drag to the, to the back of the arrow. A lot of that ends up having to do with um, if you want to really look into equations and you talk to some of the Olympic archers—they start talking about airfoils and and um, negative pressure and and causing the arrow to spin and whatnot. But probably the easiest way to look is is it just drag on the back of the arrow, almost like a little bit of a parachute effect. And what that does is it allows the arrow to to move um, straight forward. And the two things that you want to accomplish is by having the drag factor of that, it's basically going to keep the the point of the arrow going straight. And the lower your your FOC, the more important it is to have that drag. Otherwise, the back of your arrow is going to start trying to tumble, and that's part of the reason why when you go with a higher FOC, you're going to get probably a little better accuracy in um, windy situations and and just um, overall in general. Although it may cost you a little bit in the trajectory type factor, so that's going to be part of it. Just to keep the front of the arrow going forward, the back of the arrow kind of staying in the in the back. Um, the other uh, part of what the fletching does is it rotates the arrow. And just similar to a football being thrown in the air, if you took a football and you just threw it and had no spiral on it at all, it's going to tend to want to fump, um, tumble end over end, and it's not going to be very accurate, and it's not going to go very far. So um, you you need to add enough spin to the arrow to um, basically keep it stabilized, help it move forward in a better direction. Um, and part of what it does is essentially by spinning that arrow, if there's any irregularities in the arrow that are causing either pressure differences, like air pressure differences on part of the arrow or the other, or if there's any weight differences, by spinning that arrow, you're basically having those differences um, basically take effect in different orientations as the arrow flies, and that keeps it staying straighter. And probably the best way to look at it is, let's just say you had a lot of negative pressure on the bottom of the arrow, so the arrow tended to want to go down um, Kind of downwards, underneath the arrow. If that arrow wasn't spinning, that negative pressure is going to continue to act on the bottom of the arrow only, and, and that's it. And if your next arrow, it was off to the right side instead of down, it's going to tend to want to go tw- towards the right-hand side. By spinning it, what happens is going through the air, that negative pressure arrows or area is going to start going from you know down to um, all the positions around the clock. so as it moves through the air, it's going to have less of an effect on drifting the arrow one way or another.
0: Okay. So hypothetically, four arrows or four, Mm -hmm. four veins would straighten out faster than three veins.
1: Hypothetically, if they were the same size vein and the same um, angle on the arrow and, and everything else being equal. Gotcha.
0: So did you do, did you do uh, some testing on this? so or some did, kind of an arrow experiment
1: sure i i did and and to be honest with you, i also want to give give credit to uh to john dudley he's got um he does a lot of really fantastic work um and and has a, a great website and podcast too um his his is uh, knock on archery and i listened to a lot of his work and got some ideas from him and he started working with um the um arizona archery um pro max veins which are uh, kind, kind of shorter veins. I want to say they're about one and a half inches long or so. And um, he was, started doing some four fletchings with that. Um, he was getting some some good results. Um, and and I basically tried the same things he did. I I did some four fletches uh, with those, and then I did some three fletches with some um, Max Stealth veins, which are 2.7 inches in length. So so basically, probably if you're looking at the total surface area, and, and I haven't calculated, but my my guess would be that four of the smaller veins the pro max veins probably have the same surface area as three of the larger longer max stealth veins um so you're getting the same roughly the same amount of drag on those and um what i did and what he did is you know you shoot about different ranges and you see um probably the three biggest things is what effect does it have on trajectory what effect does it have on drift in the in the air, and what effect does it have on any any noise going through the air? And what I found is the the four fletch veins, and that and I fletched them at a two degree um, angle on the um, right hand angle on the shafts, um, had a little bit better trajectory by several inches, and I think he found roughly the same thing, and probably had a little less um, uh, drift going through the air, and that just has to the side profile of those veins is. Is smaller. It's one and a half inches compared to the 2.7 inches on the longer veins. Um, like I said, the trajectory at, I think I was shooting at 70 or 80 yards probably was about three or four inches in, in additional drop for the three veins, which I was a little surprised about and a little less effect by the wind by maybe a couple of inches in like about 10 mile an hour wind. Um, so n- not a huge amount with that. And then the next thing I did is, is I went ahead and well, wait one second. Yeah.
0: One sure. second, you you said that okay. on a four fletch vein, it didn't drop as much at eighty yards. Right. Okay. So is that because it straightens out faster and more of the energy is going with the to the flight? It, you know, there's no energy loss because it's straightening out. It's straightening out faster.
1: In. I'll be honest with you. That's a that's a great point, and it and it it very likely could be, and um and and I'm not sure. When I was shooting the the four fletching, I had a, a two degree um, offset on that because you can go with a little bit more offset because the vein's shorter. If your vein gets too long and you try to have offset, what happens is it won't sit right on the, the shaft. It tries to cross that shaft too much. So with the four fletch, I was able to go with a, a two degree offset. With the with the longer veins, I, I brought it down to a one degree offset so technically you're you're right with what you're saying you're going to get a faster spin and you're going to get um probably some quicker stabilization with the with the four-fletch um so that that may have been the you know the the source of that because i would tend to think otherwise that if the surface area is roughly the same they would probably fly roughly the same and there's not a lot of difference in in the weight of them too because if you add you know weight that would be one thing, but I, I want to say that the weight between the four shorter ones and the three longer ones was probably negligible, probably within five grains total of one versus the other. So that's only going to be, you know, one to two feet per second, not enough to make any difference.
0: And what were those uh, lengths, again, on the
1: three-fletch versus the four-fletch? The, the four-fletch or the three-fletch, the max stealth, I know for sure, one uh, 2.7. Um, the other ones I want to say are 1.7 or 1 or 1. 1.5. Uh, let's see. I can actually while, while we're speaking, I can I can look it up because I actually had I was doing something on my computer when when you called. Okay.
0: That's and that's kind of interesting there, and it. I just I maybe maybe four fletch. Maybe four fletches is the answer for some, some people's accuracy problems if you know they, everything else is going right for them and they just don't get the accuracy that they need. Maybe they should strip their fle- uh, three fletchings and put on four fletchings, space them out right. and uh, that may help the, the accuracy a little bit.
1: It, it might. So a couple of, couple of thoughts that go with that, and, and the size is, is 1.7, so there's almost an inch difference between the two yep. the two different types. Um, you can go with the four-fletch, um, all else being the, the same, if you went with the shorter four-fletch versus the um, the longer three-fletch, I, I don't know if it would give you enough of a difference in drag to um, to stabilize something if, if, let's say, you were shooting a broadhead and you were getting poor flight. I don't know if that in itself would do it. So the two options would be if you went with a four-fletch that were shorter and you put more of a helical on it so you, you got a faster spin, that would probably help. Or the other difference would be if you went with the, the longer fletching and went to a, um, a four-fletch, um, that would probably stabilize it also because then you're going to actually be given um, you know, more total surface area to the steering part of your aero. Gotcha. Now –
0: what about lighted nocks? Do you play around with lighted knocks at all?
1: I do, and and I'll tell you what. Before we leave the the fletching, a, a couple oh, yeah, of yeah, go ahead. To, to leave yeah to leave people with some things I found. Um, one, it it and this kind of sounds like a like a stupid thing, especially if you're only making a dozen arrows and using for the the season. But it actually takes longer to to um, to, to fletch the arrows, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, but um you know when you're down i was down the basement kind of fletching up some arrows and you can tell it takes you know whatever it takes maybe another half hour or something like that to fletch a dozen arrows with an extra fletching on each one um so that's one thing for people to to consider um two is there's actually extra cost involved again it's probably pretty minimal but um the fletching, whether you get the bigger fletching or the smaller fletching, they essentially amount up to the same amount. So you're going to add 25% to the – or actually you're going to add uh, 30% to the cost of your, um, your fletching by throwing an extra um, fletching on that. And then the other things to think about is it's harder to find actual jigs that do that. So um, I use uh, – I've used some Bits and Burgers in the past, which work very well, and they have um, – uh, different adjustments on the back where you can either use three or four uh fletchings and that works very well i started recently doing a last chance um archery um fletching jig which works really good and the reason i like that is you can completely reproduce your your fletching style accurately each time so if i change between different sets of arrows um i can reproduce i can just go back to the old settings Immediately without any problem the bits and burgers are really difficult to do that with and I actually ended up having to have two sets of bits and burger Jigs to to fletch my arrows one for four and one for three Just trying to switch back and forth between the two was just very very difficult. So it makes it um, Better if you either have one jig set a certain way or the jig is is able to be easily reset to exactly the same position so if you end up having to repair or or replace a, a broken fletching you can do that. So those are some, some considerations just to kind of think about before, um, somebody just kind of goes in and decides they want to try to, to, you know, do the three versus four. Um, a lot of the, the more inexpensive jigs, like I know, um, Arizona archery makes uh, an inexpensive one. And I think there's some other ones. I want to say they're limited to three fletchings. I don't think that they, they will do more than that. Um, there's also some people have played with even going up to six fletchings on arrows or possibly more. Um, I, I think it's it would probably be way too much for a hunting situation because part of the situation you run into is the smaller the shaft gets, and I think we as hunters tend to be leaning towards um, smaller diameter shafts but heavier shafts, the smaller that shaft gets, you can imagine if you try to fit four fletchings around the, a small shaft, there's probably only about a millimeter of space between the, the bases on all of your, your fletchings. Right. Um, and if you try to go more than that, if you're up to four, four fletchings, it's going to be less than one. And at six fletchings, I can only imagine they're probably going to be essentially touching each other. Right. So those are all kind of considerations that, that go into the different um, I get some problems and some issues with the different fletching types. Now, should your fletching, the number of
0: fletchings or the, the type or kind of fletching to ter- be determined by what you're shooting, whether that's uh, a mechanical or a fixed blade. So what I mean by that is, if I'm shooting this year, I'm probably going to be shooting uh, a, smaller di- a smaller diameter, four blade fixed blade uh, broadhead. Should I should I go with a four blade and if or a four fletch and if sh- so, how how would I align that?
1: Um, and I know exactly what you're talking about I, I have heard that that that's helpful because essentially what you would want to do is you want to have the, the blades of your broadhead aligned with the, um, the fletching on the back of your arrow because essentially it makes a, a more streamlined slipstream running down the side of the arrow as far as the airflow um, and if you couldn't get it exactly like that then my next guess would be you'd probably want the blades of the broadhead to be exactly in between uh, the, the fletchings um, some of the reports that I have read say it may not make any difference um, other people say that uh, it does make a difference I, my personal thought is probably that would be if anything it would be beneficial to try to do it that way I don't know if it makes enough difference to make it anything significant but I would probably try to line it up and essentially what you'd have to do is um, when you screwed it so you've got two ways to do it either screw your broadhead on first and you fletch aligning that with where your broadhead is or if you fletch first, then when you go ahead and you put your, your broadhead on, you may have to actually sand, um, like as you sp- kind of spin the end of the arrow, uh, basically sand off a little bit of the, the outsert or the insert uh, just to allow the the broadhead itself to twist a little farther in the socket until it gets aligned uh, up with the, the broadheads. Um, or you could just try switching different broadheads to get as close as, as you can. So. Um, I to be honest with you, I don't shoot um, fixed blade broadheads, so I don't really, um, you know, run into those type of situations that well. I've found most of the broadheads I shoot the mechanicals um, give me give me pretty good accuracy all the way out to about fifty yards. Gotcha. So, anything
0: else on arrow setup that you'd like to dive into, uh, whether you know, just I guess from the building
1: standpoint. I'm um, like, I guess a couple of things we kind of, kind of throw in there a little bit. Um, you know, one thing, and I, I kind of alluded to it before, but it, it's really important when I, when I build my shafts, what I do, or, or when I build my whole arrow is, is I try to make everything absolutely as symmetrical as I can. And then kind of like we talked about, I try to use the fewest pieces as, as I can. So I don't want to use a lot of extra weights or bushings or anything that has to be screwed in because every one of those things you, you've got to make sure it's aligned well and you have to make sure it balances well. So in general what I do is I take the shafts, um, I actually measure them all ahead of time at, at full length. So I actually test the spine. I got a, a spine tester and um, I, I measure the weight. And after I measure the weight of each shaft, I actually number the shafts with the with the weight on them and put them in order from lightest going up to heaviest. And then I do the exact same thing with all the components. I measure them from lightest to to the heaviest. And as I build the arrow, I often take the, the shafts, um, lightest to heaviest, and I take the components like the inserts and the knocks, and I, I put those on from heaviest to the lightest so you're kind of balancing them out. And I found by doing that, if you buy good quality components, I can get probably less than a grain um, difference between my heaviest and my, my lightest arrow. And, and that's, I mean, going to give you great arrow flight. You know, if you're, if you're within probably three grains. Um, your aero flight's going to be probably relatively unaffected by velocity because at three grains, you might lose a, a foot per second. Um, you know, If you had really cheap components and the differences were significant between your aero shafts, you, you could run into some problems. But I think by paying close attention to the pieces and the weights and pairing those things together, um, you can really make some fantastic aero shafts that are very close in weight. Um, the other thing is each step that I do, I make sure everything is, is very concentric to the previous one. So when I cut the shafts, what I do is, um, I, I take a, of the, sorry about that. My alarm went off on my phone. I take one of the silver Sharpie markers and I, I basically roll it over the end of the pen. So right on the, the very flat end of the edge of the pipe. And, um, and then I take the end of the arrow shaft. And I've got a um, basically an aero uh, shaft squaring device, and I spin it on that until the all the silver disappears. So that just tells me that the end of the shaft is completely parallel um, or completely perpendicular to the shaft at that point. And I do that at every step along the way as I glue the inserts in. I make sure that they're that they're parallel with the shaft. I, I test the knocks to make sure they're parallel with the shaft. Um, this year, I've actually even got gone ahead and. Um, Um, worked with the the spine by rotating the arrows and things like that to make sure that the spine is is in the best position possible. Um, And I found some interesting things with with that, too, that uh, the static spine, when you're basically shooting it, uh, or when you're measuring on an an arrow spine device, uh, will give you one set of numbers. But what I found is when you actually shoot a bear shaft um, arrow at about seven yards, five to seven yards, sometimes you'll actually see where the spine's a little bit off because you'll see the tear in slightly different directions. So this year what I did is I actually made sure that all those tears were in the same direction. um, And I'm I'm kind of testing now to see what effect that has on accuracy, see if it really has any effect um, at all. Right. Now,
0: this is where I say you're crazy right uh well you're crazy because you measure your washer you, you weigh your washers and you, you all that uh-huh. all of your inserts what what is the difference between i guess uh when when a broadhead says they're 100 grains and right. they come from the factory what what's some of the differences what are you know? It, if it's 100 grains, I assume it's going to mm-hmm. be 100 grains. Uh, what's the difference? What's the biggest right. difference that you found ever be- between broadheads?
1: Gotcha. So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of actually have one of my barrel building sheets in front of me, so I can, I can tell you what some of that stuff is. And, and what I did, um, and this is, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but um, because of all my, my research background, I, I can't stand having things that are not repeatable and not accurate. So I actually went out and bought a scientific scale, so when I measure things it's absolutely repeatable to like um like like a hundredth of a grain right. and um and and I've been able to weigh things over and over to know that there's there's you know essentially I'm getting the same numbers but the shafts on my the new set of arrows at full length were um, they varied from uh twenty six or i'm sorry two hundred sixty eight point nine grains all the way up to two hundred sixty nine point Uh, nine grains. So there's uh, basically uh, a one-grain difference between the shafts themselves. And when I did the knock weight, they went from 6.82 to 6.86, so essentially nothing for all practical purposes. And the um, inserts that I used this time, these were the, I bought the Victory stainless steel inserts. They varied from 59.0 grains up to 59.3 grains, so um, no significant differences either there um i generally don't weigh the the fletching because there's just too many and i I don't know if it's really going to make that big enough an effect to be honest with you and then when i finally finished so some things that you have to keep in mind is as you build the arrows and you and you use the inserts um there's going to be more or less glue in each one so you're going to get some differences with that too but my um lightest arrow weight um let's see Looks like 295.3, and my heaviest arrow weighed uh, 296.0, so essentially uh, 0.7 grains difference between the two on, on this set of shafts.
0: Right. Okay. And for me, that so, seems,
1: that seems pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but if you look, so the thing is, these are, you know, I'm buying kind of the best, the best components I can buy to build these. If you, if you just went to, you know, Kmart, Walmart, something like that, and you're buying just more generic ones where they're just being kind of put together very quickly, uh, you probably could get as much as 5 or 10 grains difference between the arrows. And if you were buying just kind of cheaper components, I'm sure you could get some variation in, in that also. So by making them myself and, and kind of tailoring one shaft with particular knocks and, and ends, and by really making sure I buy good components and maybe culling a few if they're kind of way out of bounds, you can really make some big differences. And um, and, and that's part of the reason I do it. Now, does it have a huge difference on, on accuracy? You know, probably somebody shooting the Olympics it would make a really big difference. Yeah. And, you know, they're looking for, you know, probably half a centimeter could, could really kind of win a tournament for them. Um, for, for hunting accuracy, and I kind of hate to say that because we all want to, you know, shoot as accurately as we can. I, I think it helps our psyche, and, um, you know, it makes us feel more confident what we're doing, and also it's fair for the animal. But for hunting accuracy, um, a lot of the steps that are involved may not make huge differences. And uh, this last set of arrows I did, I I even did things such as um, pushing a cotton patch through the the shafts when they came from the factory to make sure there was no dust inside. And and I was surprised. You can actually get... You know, and and this was all to be honest with you. I did all this so I could kind of report it back to to you and and oh, okay. Um, okay. you know your 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 listeners and things, because yeah. I wanted to see what difference it made. And yeah. some of it made like a half a grain difference just in the dust that came out of the shafts. Wow. So when I when I put together my report to give to you, it's going to have all that information as far as um, you know what differences did some of this make in in the weights of the shaft, and did it really make an effect at all on the accuracy um, and. And that's the thing that's interesting. There's some big steps that I think are really important to accuracy. And there's other things that, you know, really, unless you're, you're just kind of, kind of crazy and have extra time, like, like me, or unless you're shooting the Olympics or something like that, it probably isn't that important. Right.
0: So just high level, go ahead and list those things that are the most important.
1: Uh, Let's see. So, so. The cleaning the inside of the shaft, like I said, I found it didn't really do um, a whole lot. I think it is important to weigh the shafts ahead of time and, and to try to put them in, in order. Um, if you buy good, good quality shafts, like I said, there, there really probably wasn't more than a grain difference between them. Um, if you buy less expensive shafts, there, there can be a difference. Um, so I ordered those. I put a number on those. Um, I cut them very carefully to make sure that the weight is right. And I think it's critically important to make sure that the, your ends are are perpendicular to the direction of, of the shaft. So, I do think it's important to use that silver sharpie to 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 basically mark the end of the shaft, and then when you square the ends of the shaft, to make sure that all of that evens back out. Because I, I think concentricity is probably one of the most important things. Everything's got to spin as accurately as as possible. Um, so, I think that's that's critically important for squaring the ends of the shafts. Um, some things that are very important, I think, to the, the quality of the arrow but may not necessarily mean as much to the um, accuracy is you, you have to really make sure you get a very good bond between your, your inserts and the shaft itself. So um, I don't know if everybody does it, but I used to build custom fishing rods when I was growing up. So when I want something to stick, what I do is I, I kind of score the inside of the shaft and I use some, some like 220 grit sandpaper. And I spin that inside the shaft to make sure it kind of uh, scores the inside. And then I score the, um, either the inside of the, or the outside of the insert or the inside of the outsert, depending on which one you're doing, to make sure that when you glue that together, it glues um, um, very well. Because the last thing you want to do is shoot your arrow into a target and lose your your tip and everything. It's a disaster. Um, And then from there, I think probably the next most important thing is really making sure that you're... Um, fletching is accurately placed, that's spaced evenly around the shaft, that the angles are all correct. Um, so there's a couple of different types of machines that you can use for, for fletching. Um, and just generically, you can either have a machine that puts a single fletch on on at each time, and then you kind of twist the shaft around to the next notch, put one more fletching on, twitch to the next one, put the next one on. Um, those take a little longer, but in general, your your fletchings are going to be all you know, parallel to each other, they're all going to be um, correctly right. mounted to the shaft. Some of the other ones that, you know, are, are used at shops, you can do kind of six arrows at the same time. The problem with doing that is is they're all going to vary a little bit. So um, so I I tend to stick away from those. So I think by doing the, the fletching ind- individually, it's going to make a, a pretty big difference. And from there, I don't know if really aligning the shaft is making a huge difference to be honest with you this is the first year I've kind of played around with it and it was kind of neat because you can you can really see a difference in the the spine orientation when you shoot uh bare shafts through through paper at like five yards yeah um so I thought that was kind of cool to see but whether it really is going to mount out to anything you know once you got the fletching on you're shooting at distance my thought is probably not a whole lot because I've been able to shoot really really good groups in the past without ever having to done that
0: all right. So sh- share with us what your full arrow setup is th- uh, this year, or do you even know what that is yet?
1: Nope. I'm, I am all set this year. Okay. So I that? have, uh, I bought the, um, uh, the the new shafts. In fact, they're almost impossible to, to get when I got them, but uh, RIP uh, TKO, so Victory Arrows, uh, they're RIP TKOs, and I got the Elite shaft, so it's, um, uh, you know, within one thousandth of an inch uh, run out. Um, and the full length shaft I want to say is 31 and a half inches maybe, and my um, I basically cut the shafts themselves to 26 inches, and that made it 26 and 3/8 um, of an inch measured from the bottom of the knock to the front of the the insert. And, and when you make the measurements, it always goes from the bottom of the knock, which is um, important, and a lot of people don't you know don't realize that you actually have to put that little extra length in there. Um, the nocks themselves were uh, Blazer a nocks, and um, the inserts were actually the, – they came from Victory Arrow, and those are their uh, stainless steel inserts at 60 grains. Um, there's an option. You can – there are some other companies that make them. Top Hat makes some fantastic and, and very good quality, and, um, and even in, uh, inserts and outserts also. That was an option for this. I, I got these because they I could get them both at the same time, and I knew they were going to fit. Right, and my fletchings are the max so the Arizona archery max stealth uh veins, and right now I have got some of my shafts built with um, three fletchings on them, and I'm still trying to make up my mind between the three and the four so my my VAPs from last year had the four fletching and they weigh nearly the same amount they were four hundred and five grains, and these are four hundred and twenty five the ones I made this year, so i'm going to kind of play with them a little bit more and see what I do before I fletch up the three remaining shafts that I have. All right. Now,
0: this is where your your gear nut, you go to Super Saiyan level on this. Tell everybody what you told me before we started recording about building your own, what was like a, a sound pressure level tester? Oh, <laughs>
1: So this year, so one, one thing that um, I, I've heard a lot about, so if you either listen to some different podcasts or read some, some stories, um, there, there's some thought that maybe the sound of the bow itself isn't necessarily what spooks deer um, for a couple of reasons. One, how, how much can you hear it at any distance? And then the second thing is, um, you know, often if, you, if there's a deer in the field and you make a single noise, that single noise, they they will look up, but they don't generally run to that because they don't know what it is. They're trying to locate it. But if you make two noises from the same direction, then the deer is going to bolt if it doesn't sound normal. So there's some thought that maybe the bow doesn't doesn't really, you want it quiet, but that may not be the end all as far as for spooking deer. And in listening to some some different people speaking on the, the matter, what they said is that if you really pay close attention, especially on a longer shot, and you shoot at a deer, you, you'll see the deer actually look up towards the direction of the arrow, and they think that they're actually hearing the the veins or the arrow coming through the air towards the animal. So in other words, the, the deer will will kind of track that and won't be looking back at where the, the actual bow went off. So I was curious to see if there was any difference between three fletchings with the longer fletchings versus the four fletchings. So it's, it's pretty difficult to to do to be honest with you is to get that exact sound difference so um what i did is in my in my basement i can shoot 20 yards so at 10 yards on one side of the basement i put my standard target um but you can imagine a an arrow hitting a target's going to make a fair amount of noise and i'm standing 10 yards on the other side of, of basically where this door opening is um and we all know that the the bows themselves when they shoot they make a fair amount of noise yeah so I was trying to figure out how in the world am I going to measure just the the sound of the the veins going through the air? And what I came up with, and I don't you know I don't know how how accurate it is, but I did manage to get some differences, is um, we had a water heater delivered uh, last week, and I took the box it's six feet tall and two feet by two feet square. And I basically it's heavy duty cardboard. I took that. I cut a six by by 10 inch hole in each side of the the box itself. And I took all the down comforters we had in the house, and I basically buried the, the cardboard box in the down comforters. And I bought a like a professional uh, class two sound pressure level meter that that basically is used for trying to figure out the noise levels and things and <laughs> placing home theater systems and, and things like that. And I cut a small hole in the box, and I put that in there, and I just practice shooting through this and kept praying that I wasn't going to put any holes in the comforters or the walls, because <laughs> then I'd be in big trouble, and my, my testing days would be over. So um, so, I did, so I did this, and, um, and there wasn't a, ho- a whole lot of difference. I tried it a couple of different ways. The um, three, uh, three Fletch Arrows, I was getting 61.0 decibels, and the, the four of the shorter veins, I was getting 61.2 decibels and not a lot of standard deviation, so I think it's pretty legitimate. Um, I also tried because I knew that despite my best efforts that there, you were going to be able to kind of hear the bow go off from inside the box. So the next thing I did is I moved the box over to the side and shot around the side um, of the box and I was getting basically 53 decibels. So I think everything outside of the 53 was coming from the fletching or the arrow shooting through the, um, uh, through the box itself. So at least from what I did, I couldn't really detect any significant difference um, with uh, uh, the different vein con- configurations. Um, I, some other people have said that they, they've done this by having somebody stand behind the edge of, a, of like a house or a wall or something and shooting past that and, and listening. And I've heard various things. Some, um, I think uh, one thing I listened to, they said that the 4 fletch they thought seemed to subjectively make a little more noise um, but it's very hard and I wanted to try to do something that we could objectively measure. So I kind of went, I went out on a limb with this one for you guys and and hopefully the information (laughs) is at least helpful. And, and, you know, as, as I play with it a little bit more, if I get any additional information, I'll let you guys know. But, but now I can measure, I can measure bows. I can measure arrows. I can basically check all that stuff out. Right. Awesome. Well, all of this,
0: all of your information, all of your uh, findings are going to be, uh, they're going to be posted on the on a blog. Um, I might even uh, post it when I launch this podcast next week. Or right, well, it's going to be sometime the last week in June or the first week in uh, or no the last week in May, the first week in June. Some sometime in that. Uh, time frame. I hope I said that right. I feel like I I messed that up two times in a row. Last week in May, first week in June, sometime in that time frame is when this podcast will launch. So be sure to go to the ninefingerchronicles.com and look for the blog post that mentions uh, this podcast and the findings will be on that as well. So there's that. Um, You know, we did have We did have scheduled today to talk about trail cameras a little bit, but we are going to have to put that on the back burner, and you're going to have to come back on to uh, talk about trail cameras on another day just for time constraints, and uh, so guys, look forward to that, and Mike, man, I appreciate all your time and all your effort and all your energy into doing this. Uh, I, I know
1: I get a lot out of it, and hopefully the guys listening do too. That sounds great, and, and like you mentioned, I'm going to put together a, a report for this with some pictures and the exact instructions and kind of, you know, what seems like it worked and what didn't, what differences I got, and um, hopefully that will answer a lot of questions for, for people, and they can just kind of look through it, instead of going through all the work that I did, because um, I, I kind of enjoy it. I think most people just want to get to the bottom line, and uh, I will try to make that easy and accurate for everybody, so, uh, so we will do our, our best with that. Um, one thing before we leave, I I wanted to tell everybody too, that I just purchased two of Dan's t-shirts, um, from what was that? It was, uh, uh, something rack,
0: busted Busted rack,
1: busted com. Com. and, and the t-shirts look awesome. I, you know, I encourage everybody to go uh, look at those and, um, you know, the, the money's going to the national deer Alliance. I'm sure Dan's going to say, and, and I joined the national deer Alliance and, you know, we all love our sport and I I think we need to really all work together and try to support it as much as we can.
0: Amen. Well, until next time, Dr. Mike. Sounds great. Thank you, Dan. And there you have it. Another podcast in the books on this Memorial Day. Hopefully you get the opportunity to spend time with the ones you love and uh, remember what this weekend is all about. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Huge shout out to Dr. Mike for uh, taking time to do another one of these podcasts and taking time to uh, do the research. Be sure to go to NineFingerChronicles.com. Check out the blog. All the notes that he puts together for one of these podcasts get published on the uh on the website. So that's where you can find it. Huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast. We got Gearhead Archery, we got Exodus, we got Ozonix, we got Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Wasp and Lone Wolf. Did I mention everybody? I think I did. So uh huge shout out to to all the partners for making this possible. And remember guys, uh, go support The partners of this podcast because you number one a lot of them are offering discounts uh on the uh, on this podcast and just like the wasp commercial that i played at the beginning of this podcast today uh so take advantage of those discounts um if you're not already follow me follow me on twitter instagram facebook a lot of information a lot of pictures get uh flown through those social media outlets uh Other than that, guys, National Deer Alliance, be sure to uh, sign up and become a member. It's free. I've already talked about that. Other than that, guys, it's getting time where a lot of us are getting out into the woods and starting to hang stands. So if you're in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of your week.